right, so we're going to do a little reminder here. God and the world, and we live in the overlap, right? We live in the overlap between God and the world. And the greater we see that overlap, the more effective we're going to be as missionaries. The more we're going to say, oh, I'm in this situation. I know kind of what God would want to say. I feel it. Or I see something that's just honoring to him. I want to recognize it. That, by the way, is one of the most beautiful things we can do for our kids, is not just give them a list of things they should and shouldn't do, but recognize in them the traits that God has given them. Recognize in them those moments when they're thriving, when they're uniquely beautiful, uniquely gifted, because they'll just think that they're normal. And you will have seen a lot more humans in your lifetime and recognize when something about them is truly unique and special. Please share that. You'll see that in the overlap. You'll see that in the overlap. If there was no God in that picture, a worldly parent raising worldly children would just recognize things like you're smart, you're pretty, you're fast, you're athletic, you're good with math, those sorts of things. And God's made us with those gifts, so that's good. But the overlap of a godly parent with their children says, I see something like compassion in how you handled that friend at school. I saw humility in how you deflected someone's flattery. You know, we're recognizing greater things. I recognized you extended grace when you could have been judgmental. We'll see more. And the more we see, the greater the overlap, uh, the more effective we are at being missional to our children. That should be probably our first mission field in order of importance and priority. So, yeah. Keep praying for our kids. I've been coming to realize something over this last year. We've been using the word experiment a lot as I've asked our leaders and then us as a church to say, well, let's experiment with service and mission as a way that God might be wanting to use us more and more in the world. What does that look like? What does that feel like? What works? What doesn't work? How has he made us? We're unique Church, a unique group of people. What are our gifts? What are our callings? The thing that I've been noticing as we've gone through this year is that to ask that question, to use the word experiment, feels to me like faith. And so I started thinking about it leading up to this message for this morning. I wonder if the word experiment is a synonym for faith. Not doing what you know, because things we know and can control and are quantifiable, that, that's not living by faith. Faith is hope of things unseen, the confidence of what God will do. Uh, experiment means you're trying something, stepping out, and that's what God calls us to do. Step out in faith, live in faith. So experiment fits there, too. Um, and you don't know what the results are going to be. And when we know what all the results are going to be, you don't have to live by faith. So as I started thinking about that, I realized, yeah, you know, when we asked uh, Nicole to see if she could help organize 80 people to go over to L Street on a Sunday morning and do all these jobs and see if that could be done in a day and kids are like, I don't know if that can be done. She didn't know if that could be done, but we were optimistic. God, God could make this work. It was such a beautiful thing. A couple of weeks later, Pastor Abraham's here joining us and just saying thank you, and that kingdom is growing. But it was an experiment. But I think it was also faith. God kind of leading us to do something that we don't know how to do, 
Therefore, we have to rely on him to help us get it done if it's going to get done. And there isn't a guarantee of getting done. There's just confidence in God, in his leading, in his ability. That, that to me sounds like the definition of stepping out in faith. And so I wonder, I'm starting to wonder, if this year has been an experience of stretching our faith. And if you contrast that with our kind of like patterns, our habits, our routines, our traditions that we fall into, I then started to ask the flip side of the coin. Do the things that we typically do here as a church require faith? We know what building we're coming to. It's here, unless it burns down or whatever. It's going to be here. And there'll be someone to speak, and it may be me, and maybe someone else. So we don't need faith that there'll be a speaker or a location. And as long as the world doesn't end and Jesus doesn't come tomorrow, there's going to be 1045. That'll happen. And so there's the place and the time, and there's musicians, and there's a lot of them. So someone will cover something. And if someone's sick, someone else will step in. And if no one steps in, you can always sing a cappella. So you don't worry that it's not going to happen. You don't. Or, and if the giving is a little bit low, we, we talk and we say, can we please like, pitch in and do it? And the people, so there's maybe like a concern about finances, but not really. I'm not sure we need faith for our building, for our services, for our worship, for our prayer, for our, our money. Like all these things. Like, where's, where's the faith that's required? What if we didn't know if there would be a place to meet, but we knew that God was telling us to come and gather? And we found out when we got there what the result of that experiment would be. Did I hear God correctly? I'm here, Lord. You said, you know... Fourth and Broadway at 9.22 on Friday. I showed up. Oh, he said the same thing to all these other people. Excellent. It's a problem if our approach to Christianity doesn't require faith. It's a problem. And I'm not saying all the things we're doing are wrong. I'm just saying that they're the things we're doing to learn about God. But we're probably just settling for a very low bar. <laughs> If we can guarantee that things are going to happen at the time they're going to happen and the way they're going to happen, it's just not the word faith. It's a different thing. It can be worship. It can be authentic, genuine worship. It can be community. So don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying we're embroiled in sin and need to confess before the Lord. I'm saying we might be selling God short and not experiencing what it looks like to actually live by faith. And then I, as a leader of, of a church, feel completely convicted about that. If what we're doing is not teaching people how to live by faith, then we probably need to either try some different things or stop some things. Or, like, that's what this year is doing to me. <laughs> that's what this year of experimentation is doing to me. It's been like the things you know are going to happen are just like, okay, it's going to happen. But where's the big God that we read about in Scripture? Where's the unknown? Where's the fear? Where's the risk? We might be organizing faith out of our structures. Let's not do that. Let's love a building that God's provided us and love the people that we have and seek to live by faith. And so what I think I would like for us to look at is an experimental life. Of faith. Okay, that's what I want to talk about today. And there are two beautiful chapters in the book of Galatians that I would just like to read together. Most of chapter five and all of chapter six. So would you open your Bibles and just 
Turn with me there. Five into six. Start with verse 13 in chapter 5. Galatians, it's a letter that Paul wrote to the Christian church. And I would like us just this whole time to be thinking about what parts of my Christian life require faith. What does my experimental faith look like at my job? If you already know what you're going to do, what you're going to say with your coworkers, or, or if you already have it all mapped out, or if you know that you're not going to do anything in your workplace, then there's no experimenting required, no experimenting involved, which means it's predictable, it's familiar, it's safe, it's comfort zone. But what if your workplace is a laboratory that God wants to do some experiments in? And so he's brought in some Christians, and maybe just you, and he wants you to say, all right, God, what are you doing here? What do you want me to do here? What could be done here? What's your will here? And then let's follow him into stepping out into seeing what he might do. And then, and then watching the experiment unfold and stepping back and observing what he's doing, how he's using you, and living by faith in the process. Galatians 5 and 6, just a beautiful, beautiful passage Start with verse 13 in chapter 5. We'll go through the end of 6. So just read or listen, but please absorb. Please hear God speaking to us this morning. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, us, people of God, children of God. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for your flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, this pastor says to his church, as I warned you before, that those who do such things won't inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit, the things that naturally grow, fruit, not works, fruit, the fruit of God's Spirit is love and it's joy, it's peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. So those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk, keep in step with the Spirit, let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Now, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. But keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Now the one who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. The one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. As for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. What you have here is a lifestyle. You have a worldview. You have a progression. And I was thinking of it kind of in terms of a life cycle. So if you want to think life cycle of faith, that's fine. And I'd like to kind of draw our way through this. What does it look to walk like? What does it look like to walk by the Spirit? Where do you start? Where does it take you? How does God lead you through? Because it's not a once and done sort of thing. I accepted Christ as my Savior. Therefore, that was my step of faith. And now I just live my life. That's a very distorted view of the overlap between God's purpose for you and his mission for you in the world. It is not just to get saved and then do whatever the heck we're going to do and figure it out on our own and hopefully we get to heaven one day and God will just show us all the answers. We're put here for purpose. We're put here to live in the overlap. And so it has to repeat. (laughs) This cycle, the experimenting of faith. Marriage is an experiment of faith. You try things. And by the terrible expression on the person's face looking back at you like, failed experiment. (laughs) Never do that again. And we learn, hopefully, please, we learn, right? We learn. We learn. We learn the rules of marriage with our particular spouse who has a particular past and a particular personality and a particular relationship with the Lord. We learn. It's an experiment. Children, world's greatest experiment. How are you supposed to raise them? Figure it out. Lots of people have done it lots of ways, but they're not you and their kids are not your kids. And it's not this day. It was like just, okay, gather wisdom, but then experiment. So is it just sort of like roll the dice and hope you get it right? No. In the experiment, you have to follow the Spirit, where the Spirit is taking you. That's where the wisdom comes from. That's where the miracles happen because God says to you, you know what your kid needs to hear right now? And then puts a word in your head and you say it and it blesses your child instead of crushing them. That matters. And that will not happen trying to figure it out in our flesh. It will not happen if you just say, well, I'm a Christian. Now I'll just do it however best comes. Living by the Spirit in all those things, it is cyclical. And sometimes we feel like it's, I don't know, a tattoo or something. We've got it. We're sealed with it. And now we have it. It's not ownership. 
It's mentality, it's practice, it's growth. We gain experience at how to live by the Spirit. So I would simply like to look at the passage we read and make four little markers. You could probably find four different ways to say these things. And in between each one, you could probably find 50 different. But the concept of living alongside and experimenting with the Spirit, I want us to know how to do that. And I feel like in the ways this year that we've been thinking outside of the box, trying, we've been experimenting with the Lord and finding him blessed in rich and rich ways. That's too good. I don't think we can ever stop doing that. If faith equals experiment, then I want to always live an experimental life of faith. Where this is going to start is with this word. Desire. Desire. You got to want God. You have to want him. You have to want him so badly. You have to want Christ. You have to want this. It has to start with our affections. It, it can come through our mind. We can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But our actions are motivated by our desires. So often, our desires have to be fixed on Christ have to want him. How badly do you want God? How badly do I want God? How badly do we want the Spirit to show us what to do next? How badly do we want to get into God's presence? That will dictate everything else. Because without this, it's going to be some form of I should, or I'm supposed to, or I'm not supposed to, and I shouldn't. That's called law. We just read a passage that says, not about rules. Don't come to church and learn the rules. Come to church and learn Go to people's houses and learn. Encounter your Bible and learn. Meet a Christian and learn. Have an experience. Learn that there is a God who loves you. Want that. Satan battles for our affections, first and foremost. Trying to make us want other stuff. Want it more. Want it instead of. Want it only. Those will be our affections leading us to temptation, which leads us to destruction. It will literally ruin us. But if what we want is what God wants, then every mistake we make along the way, every problem along the way, we're still like desiring to gain ground despite everything that's set against us. Do you see this word in this description of the spirit-led life? Do you see the desire? Verse 17 of chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. Paul says, I say, walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit against the flesh, they're opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you want to. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not locked into the do's and don'ts. You're wanting what's good. I feel like this word is like the perfect way to run after God with effort and not have it be works-based salvation. I'm not like, oh, I got to, I've got to, I've got to. It's like, oh, I want to. And oh, I didn't. But man, I want to. I just want to be with you. Everything good will come from a desire seated in God, a desire seated in Christ. So if all we want is other stuff, we're going to find it really hard to walk with God. So desire is going to lead us to... Leading. God, I want to be with you. And then you feel like a, a tug. Come this way. God, I want to know what you want in this situation, how to handle this thing, how to talk to this person, how to resolve this. And, and you feel 
the Spirit pushing. You have thoughts come to mind. You have friends who start to talk to you. You coincidentally have these things happen, which kind of, in like a very slow, magnetic kind of way, pull you or push you in the direction that you want to go. So this is different from someone saying, you have to do this. Do you read your Bible every day? Do you pray every day? Are you witnessing to at least five people every week? Are you like Whatever the rules are you think are supposed to be there, if it doesn't come from desire, the leading becomes judgment and becomes authority. <laughs> but if it's desire, like you desire to be with your closest friends, you desire to do things you love, you want to get there. Well, how do I get there? You'll find yourself being led. Do we see that in this passage of the Spirit-led life? Of course we do. Verse 16 just said, walk by the Spirit. But then at the end, it says on verse 25 and 26 of Galatians 5, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Verse 16 earlier, or 18 earlier says, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So our desire for God is where it has to start. People want answers for questions first. They want wisdom. I say, want to want him more. And in that pursuit of just him, you will find that he leads you to where he is. And you'll find that he leads you to what he thinks about things. You'll find that he leads you to where he wants you to go. So the desire comes to, leads to his leading, leading of the Holy Spirit. This is what our last year has been. God, we desire to know where you are. How do you want to work in this church? We feel like you're opening a door to connect with Pastor Abraham. All right, let's do that. That leads us to our third point. Opportunity. All right. God, you want me to move in this direction. Oh, look, there's a place I can. God, I want to be with you wherever you are. I feel you kind of pushing me in this direction to, to reach out in a different way to a friend, to pray for my kids in a new way, something. Oh, here's an opportunity. Just take it. One opportunity is worth a thousand potential opportunities. What about in the future if God uses me to go on a foreign mission field? Or what if he uses me to do, like, what are my opportunities right now, right now? then those are the ones that are going to be the ingredients for the experiment. Right now, right now, like today, there's going to be opportunities to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and who you talk to, what we do, what we confess, what we pray, what we read, what we desire, all those. You have opportunity today. Do we see that in this description of a spirit-led life? Yes, we do. It is in chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Paul writes, Let us not grow weary of doing good, so don't lose your desire for the good. Or am I just lost my place? Six. Let us not grow weary of nine, right? Not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. If we follow this opportunity, if we take it, if you're in that moment and you have that sort of like convicting feeling like I'm supposed to go up to this person and say this thing, 
If you take that opportunity, if you recognize someone in the church who's fallen on hard times and you know, could use a meal or help with the rent or whatever, if you see those opportunities, sometimes we don't take them. I've been in that situation too where you're like, uh, no, we pass. If you have the opportunity to follow where the Spirit's leading you, take it. Just take it. Just take the opportunity. And then you will see the results. You will see the end of that experiment. The opportunity will lead you to fruit. Harvest, results. But sometimes we stop there. Wow, God, you did a wonderful thing. And then for the next, like, 30 years, we talk about that wonderful thing that God did. Instead of resetting. God, I desire to be with you today. But I want to know where you are today. Where are you? Maybe you're in my prayer closet. I got to get there today. Maybe you're at the L Street Mission. I got to get there today. Maybe you're on the phone line to a particular person. I got to get on that phone line. You're going to be there. And as soon as we pick up and start talking, your spirit is going to provide an opportunity that you want me to take advantage of to see you. Oh, that's a typo. What? No one, no one getting me? Come on. Where's my editor? Wife? You're an editor. Probably can't even read my writing from there. So anyway, yeah. It's friend of friend of friend of friend of friend of friend of friend Results desire. Okay. Um, don't settle for the results as if it's like the end of the line. Like, what a sad faith that it's like historical. This book is not the beginning and the end of what God's doing. It's like a snapshot of about 1,500 years of what God did. We should be living in what God's doing. And the people that experienced what God did, they said, I want to be with you, God. Where are you leading me? I'm going to take that opportunity. Wow. Faith. I think, I think that's faith. I think that's a definition of faith. And it's got to be a life cycle. It's got to keep going. Otherwise, it becomes tradition. When we did this, God blessed, and so now we do this as the predictable plan, the predictable outcome, all of a sudden it's not an experiment anymore. So we literally wouldn't necessarily need God to show up and we could still continue. It's not just like a Sunday service comment either. I'm talking about our lives. Entire lives. Live by faith. Live by faith. We need to put a heart in the middle of this because in chapter 5 in a couple of places... It says, the whole law, this is verse 14, the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the one we're doing the experiments with, our neighbor is our spouse, our neighbor is our children, our neighbor is our actual physical neighbor who lives next door, our neighbor is our coworker. You know, we're supposed to love them. These, ex- these are experiments of love. How can we love one another better? Uh, Right before it, it says, uh, you are called to freedom. Great. But don't use your freedom for yourself, but through love, serve one another. So can we just put love in the middle here? Put kind of a, a heart around it?
Thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do this. Doesn't that feel different, even if it ended up with the same sort of results? Thou shalt share generously with the people around you. That's actually a command in God's law, so it's truth to him. It de it's defined by his character. He's a generous God, and he commands his people to be like him in that. It's, what, it's one of the definitions of holiness. The generosity, the outgoing, outpouring, incarnational love of God. Everyone to say that. So that's a command. But if I tell everyone today we have to go and buy lunch for someone, pick the person and go and do it, doesn't that feel different than, oh, God's just really put it on my heart lately that I want to start having more people to my home or really put it on my heart that there's a family who just got out of the hospital. I want to make a meal. I feel God just like pushing me in that direction. Oh, yeah, there's someone who just got back from the hospital. Oh, there's someone who just got back from having a baby or from being, oh, okay, great. Or there's someone who just lost a loved one. They're now alone in their home and they had companionship. There's an opportunity. That's what I desire. Wow, look how much of a blessing it was to me to give and be generous. Look how much they were blessed by generosity. Same result. Someone goes and be, is, uh, lives generously or someone goes and lives generously. This is the difference between law and grace. This is, this is it in a nutshell. There's law, and here's grace, and we are free. That's what we're free to be. We're free to love. We're free to want God instead of just to obey him. This is the experimental life. So this is faith. This is grace. This is like the definition of who we're supposed to be. And I think if we live in the world and our life cycle of faith happens here, it's really going to matter. And I really want to matter. I really want you to matter. I really want Jesus to matter. I don't want us to be irrelevant to our own family members. I don't want our faith to be irrelevant. Our faith should be the pride and joy of our family members because of what it does to us and therefore who we are for them. I want our faith to be the pride and joy of the people that we get to love. Not because we have to, but because we get to, and because we desire what God wants. And what God wants is to love the world so much that he's willing to give his only son to die on our behalf, so that if we just want to be with him and confess our sins, he says, yes, I've got you, yes, come home, yes, it's good, I love you too. And by the way, let's go for a walk. Oh, hey, look, you see what I see? Huh, how'd that turn out? God's like, not too bad, huh? I'm pretty good at this. And he is. That's where the miracles happen. The miracles happen in this, but they start with the roots, rooted in a desire for Christ. So where does this happen? You know, when? And this is my last question. This is how you should run uh, a Monday, and a Tuesday, and Wednesday, and a Thursday, and a Friday, and a Saturday, and a Sunday. This is how you should run a day. All right, Lord, I want to be where you're at. I want to say what you want to say. What's it going to look like? Lead me. Hey, there's something. Go for it. This is how you should run a day. This is how you should run a situation. All right, Father, where are you in this relationship between me and my landlord? Where are you? I want to be with you. Lead me. Okay. This is how you should run a week. Start on Monday and you plan out where you're going to be. All right, God, where are you going to be? Where do I need to be? 
Lead me. Oh, look, there's an opportunity. This is how you should run a month. What are you going to do with September, folks? It's going to be gone in a second. What are you doing with it? Make it matter. By saying, God, where are you? I want to be with you in September. Whatever that looks like, I want to be there because there is going to be good. There is going to be like Moses, feet, you know, sandals off, burning bush. That's where God's going to be. That's where we want to be. There's the leading. There's the opportunity. There's the result. This is how we do a year. This is how we do a life. God, where are you going to be? I just want to be there. It's, it's everything. It's when is just all. When? Always. Because it's a life cycle of faith. It's just how we operate. And my prayer for us as a church, my prayer for myself, my prayer for you, prayer for all of us, is that we're living this way, which requires this, which ends up with, you know, that for God's glory all the time. It would be an amazing thing to feel God leading you every day, wouldn't it? It would be an amazing thing to see miracles every day, wouldn't it? It would be an amazing thing to feel like right in the spot that he could use you every day. Do you want it? Do you want him? Are you asking? Are you being led? Do you see opportunities? Are you taking them? Like, this is what it looks like. Beautiful thing about this is it's okay to fail. Experiments fail all the time. <laughs> all right, good. Scratch it. Start again. Live that way with the Lord. Lord, I think that was more my flesh than your spirit. Sorry. Can we try again? Great. I would love for this to define our approach to the world, our approach to community, our approach to our own families, our approach to the people around us who don't know Jesus yet, but who will through us. Not going to happen by doing what's predictable. It's going to happen by doing what comes from faith and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Music team, would you come forward and close us in song? Let me say a prayer here. Father God, uh, we want you. And where we don't want you enough, help us to want to want you more. Work on our hearts so that we don't care about anything else. Because who cares about anything else? Please give us the heart for you and the heart for our neighbor that will give us better ears and eyes to see where you're leading and the opportunities that are right there in front of us right now. And then give us courage to take them. Allow us to see you get the glory. Let this not be a, a personal or a self-focused thing, but let, let this be our approach to walking by your spirit. Lead us, spirit, this morning, today, and this week, wherever you would have us go and show us what you have in store. And we pray it all in Jesus' name.